Hey, it's Pat. I want to thank you for listening to the podcast. In case you're not familiar with me, I've been helping people retire for over 20 years now, author of the book Save Your Retirement, and host of the Save Your Retirement radio show. Our goal with this show is to provide you with valuable and timely information to help you plan your retirement, or if you're already retired, help you make the most of it. Ultimately, we want to help you use your money to accomplish your goals and dreams and to help you avoid any stress and fear with your finances and instead replace those with confidence and peace of mind. If you enjoy the show, make sure to subscribe so you won't miss future episodes. Also, if you'd like to give us a great rating, it would mean so much to us and it helps get the word out so we can share this valuable information with others. Thank you so much. And now here's this week's episode. You've heard Pat on radio. Now you can see him on television. You've read his books. You see him on television. You follow him on social media. And you can listen to him talk about life and retirement right here, right now. He is Pat Struby, and this is Save Your Retirement, presented by Preservation Specialists. The year 2023 brings some significant changes to our retirement system here in the U.S. with the passage of Secure Act 2.0. But the good news is Pat Struby is here to break it all down for us. Thanks for joining us today on Save Your Retirement with Pat Struby. And Pat, my goodness, Congress did it again while nobody was paying attention (laughs) over the holidays between Christmas and New Year's. They passed some stuff that turns out is pretty significant. And I think Pat will probably continue to find things to talk about with this new legislation throughout the course of the year. I mean, much less early in the year, right? Yeah, it is amazing. Like you say, uh, it's the time of year that if you're going to not be paying any attention at all to personal finance news, <laughs> uh, that's when they're going to slide it in. And uh-huh, they're going to uh-huh. just change it and make little changes every year so that you can never you know, count on like actually understanding what's going on. Right. And you have to find out more information, learn more. And so it's just an endless thing. But hey, one more thing for us to chat about here today, right? It absolutely is. Now, I will say, here's one piece of good news as we start to go into some of these provisions. To my knowledge, there's no pesky half ages that we have to be aware of. There's no like- Praise the Lord. Oh, you're 62 and three quarters. No, 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 no. I think they're all nice, even even round numbers. So that makes- the- That <laughs> change is one of the rare- outstanding moves by politicians that I've seen in my entire lifetime. Just (laughs) fantastic. All right. So what what I'm getting at there, so let's just dive right into it. So Secure Act 2.0. And of course, Pat, this is part of the $1.7 trillion omnibus spending bill. That bill was like 4,000 pages long. So I guarantee you nobody read all 4,000 pages before they voted on it. And so that's why, Pat, I imagine we'll have plenty to talk about throughout the course of this year as more and more comes out as to what all was in this massive package. But Secure Act 2.0, we know, was part of it. And what we're getting at with the half ages is when the first Secure Act passed at the end of 2019, I think that's right, required minimum distributions, it used to be age 70 and a half when you had to start taking money from your retirement accounts. They moved it to 72. So you and I have spent so much time talking about 72, 72, (laughs) and now it's 73, but just for the next 10 years, and then it bumps up to age 75. So this is a pretty significant one, Pat, when we have to take money out of those retirement accounts. Yeah, Jen, what we're talking about, so the SECURE Act 2.0 had some pretty significant changes for retirement and for tax planning. Mm-hmm. And to your point, RMDs, otherwise known, you know, required minimum distributions, it's important for almost all retirees because we've reached a point now, we've talked about on the show before, that pensions are harder and harder to find, and those are replaced with 401ks. And so we're all kind of just dumped into this world of deferring taxes. Right. And that's the pile of money that you have, a required amount you have to take out of. And so, yeah, you're exactly right. Uh, for the longest time, it was 70 and a half. And of course, as, as you and I like to say, what a ridiculous age to pick. <laughs> uh, so thankfully, they not only made it a round number, but they bumped it to 72. 
Uh, and that didn't last very long, like you said, right. just a couple of years. And now they're bumping at the 73. And by the way, this is an administrative nightmare for uh, retirement you know, companies, for investment companies, and oh, for financial sure. planners like us, because we have to keep track of all this stuff. And there's no automated software to do this. But I'm glad this one actually was, I think they actually did it in the best way they possibly could, because it actually means that this year is a basically a one-year gap where no mm -hmm. one knew has a required distribution. Because if you were 72 last year, you started mm -hmm. required distributions, but if you're 72 this year, you, you, you You've just got get, a break. It, it's punted in an entire right. year. So I was actually imagining this being just a complete disaster. <laughs> and I, once again, I, I guess that's just always my assumption with when any politicians involved. With anything. Right. But, but this actually is, um, it's, it's actually a pretty good thing. And I think most people would agree they're happy that the age is getting, you know, slowly bumped to a higher age. So mm -hmm. I think it's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. And here's the other piece of this on the RMDs. We used to talk about the penalty for missing one of these or for messing this up was 50%, which is a massive penalty, I imagine. They've actually reduced this now, so it's still significant. It's 25%, but it's not nearly as severe of a penalty as it was before. So um, I'm not sure what's going on there, but always a good thing when we have a, a reduction in the penalty. If I can touch on that, Jen. So yeah, the the required minimum distribution previous to Secure Act 2.0 was a. I always kind of joked, maybe not joking, but actually said it's a. It was a 50 percent penalty, and I always say five zero. Yeah. Because you kind of assume it's 15 percent, right. right? But right. five zero, 50 percent penalty if you mm -hmm. didn't take it, which is completely crazy that it would be that way. It is reduced to 25%. I will say, Jen, I have no proof of this. I have a little bit of concern about this because the 50%, 5-0 uh -huh. penalty was so insane. We never actually saw anyone penalize that because it just, it almost seems criminal. So if we, we would from time to time, you know, we work with hundreds of clients and sometimes they have an account at, you know, mm. at Vanguard that they manage themselves and maybe there's some miscommunication and someone forgets to take a distribution from an account and it's going to happen, right? You know, some, some sure. people have three, four, five, six IRAs at that age. And um, every single time when that's happened, we've helped the client write a letter. We've taken that distribution, missing distribution out the following year. We've never actually had someone penalized. Oh, okay. So one thing I'm a little bit concerned about is with this penalty reduced, will they actually start charging it now? Oh, <laughs> because 25% yeah, would still be a big chunk of money. So anyway, that's just something to watch out for this year. I think that's fair. I think that's a very, <laughs> very uh, real possibility here as we're continuing to see, again, like I said earlier, there's so many changes and it's almost impossible, Pat, to identify all the unintended consequences or all of the ripple effects that might happen from some of these things. It's one thing for us to talk about it here and now, but as we start implementing some of these changes, we might see some additional impacts that we didn't necessarily see coming. Pat, a couple other things on on what's going on here with Secure Act 2.0, um, requiring automatic 401k enrollment at a rate of at least 3% for employees. There are some exceptions for that. There are some companies that don't have to participate in that. And then also back to, we were talking about RMDs, changing the RMD rules for Roth 401ks, eliminating that requirement starting in 2024. So just talking about a little bit more flexibility here in, in a, a couple of different areas as it relates to taking money out of that account. And then I think the idea here, Pat, is giving people more opportunities to try to save more for retirement, which is which is always a goal, I think, for everybody. Absolutely. I think, Jen, when we're looking at these Secure Act 2.0 changes, two things come to mind. Mm -hmm. uh, when you look at an example like a Roth 401k used to have required minimum distributions, and now they don't. Uh, Roth IRAs have never had required minimum distributions. Mm -hmm. So the reality is, as much as you know, politicians and the IRS try to get this stuff right, that made no sense. And yeah, so they fixed sure. that. But the comedy of the fact that they went years with them being mismatched is is just kind of kind of silly to me. The other thing that I will say is now that they're actually they're requiring automatic 401k enrollment, it just shows you the uh, retirement crisis uh, that's mm -hmm. often talked about and written about. I know I, I, I refer to that in my book, uh, The Retirement Secret. Um, you know, part of in my introduction is why on earth do we need another book on retirement? And <laughs> that's the reason, you know, we we went from a society that had pensions and social security 
and you had peace of mind in retirement because you had money coming in every month and you knew you did no matter how long you lived and that's been replaced by a society where you're you are in charge of creating your own retirement and mm-hmm. being essentially your own pension fund manager and of course none of us have any have had any training in that so um so i think these measures are good but it just underscores um, the value of uh preparing for your retirement and of course uh, from our point of view, we, you know the value of of having some professional assistance along the way as well. Absolutely, and Pat, there's there's one other change that I want to make sure that we talk about here um, in this first part of the show today, as we're talking about the changes with Secure Act 2.0. This one really caught my attention. My dad has seven grandchildren now. I have four kids. My brother has three, and my dad has seven 529 college mm. savings accounts that he has set up for the grandkids. And there is a provision now allowing tax and penalty-free rollovers to Roth IRAs from certain 529 college savings accounts. They have to be at least 15 years old, so you can't put a bunch of money in one right now and then do anything (laughs) with it. But, Pat, I mean, talk a little bit about the impact that that could potentially have when you have someone who tried to do what they thought was a good thing by helping the, the grandkids save for college, and then for whatever reason, that money wasn't needed. And the thought is, well, now what? Now this money's stuck in this account that we can't really do anything else with. Yeah, Jen, I think it's really smart. Uh, when you think about uh, 529 college savings accounts, uh, they have a lot of nice tax benefits. They're not perfect. You know, you're kind of forced into stocks and bonds, uh, which, sure. you know, maybe <laughs> works out fine sometimes. Sometimes it doesn't, you know, certainly. Yeah. You know, recently there's been some rocky times. So, and I imagine what's happened uh, since the 529 came into existence that, it has been a tremendous benefit for some people with their kids. It's certainly, you know, my two older kids, uh, we've benefited from that mm-hmm. uh, and we've made use of them as well. Uh, but you also have people for all sorts of reasons don't end up using that money. Maybe the kids were rock stars in high school and they got all kinds of grants and maybe they didn't have to pay for their college. So now you have this leftover money. And of course, there's the opposite someone who uh, isn't able to qualify for college or decides not to go. And mm-hmm. so you have money in these accounts. So I do think it's a smart provision to be able to get some use out of those funds and not have to, there's some, if you just cash out a 529 and it's not used for college, there's some tax consequences to that. Mm -hmm. So I do think it's a good thing that they did that. And Pat really is, I think part of the big message here as we talk about, and I know on on future shows throughout this year, we'll continue talking about Secure Act 2.0 and these new changes we need to be aware of, but the retirement planning landscape, it continues to evolve. But Pat, the need for planning it does not change. And there are probably a lot of people out there who are worried that they haven't saved enough to get through 30 years of expenses and healthcare costs and taxes. And then also they feel overwhelmed trying to keep up with all these mm. changes. So this is why you can kind of help guide people through this process a little bit. Yeah. You know, when I was younger, I thought, you know, it, it probably is fair, you know, maybe not that hard to just kind of handle everything yourself. And the more these types of things happen, the more you just realize this stuff's complicated. Mm-hmm. And even if you can keep up with it all, do you really want to be spending the bulk of your retirement, you know, studying oh, and sure. worrying about those types of things? So um, that's what we're here for. Um, if you have questions about these things, if you're not sure, um, if you already have some type of planning or, or advice, but you're not sure if they're covering all this stuff, that's what we're here for. If you're listening to our show, a review is no cost and no obligation. All you have to do to get started is call 803-9-RETIRE. Once again, no cost, no obligation review. Call us now at 803-9-RETIRE. This is Save Your Retirement with Pat Struby. We'll be back. Hi, this is John Farley. Now, let me ask you, is your retirement inflation-proofed? Here's what I mean. In retirement, chances are you're on a fixed income with variable expenses. So how do you not run out of money when the cost of just about everything continues to go up? You inflation-proof it. Our team at Preservation Specialists can show you strategies to help combat inflation so it doesn't outpace your retirement income. Call us today at 803-9-RETIRE to learn more. Inflation could take a huge chunk out of your retirement savings, but it doesn't have to. With some simple planning, inflation can go from being a major disruption to just a minor annoyance. Call the team at 803-9-RETIRE now to start inflation-proofing your retirement today. 803-9-RETIRE. That's 803-9-RETIRE. Securities offered through Arcadios Capital Member, FINRA and SIPC. Advisory services offered through Arcadios Wealth. Preservation Specialists and Arcadios are not affiliated through any ownership. 
If retirement is on your calendar for 2023, let the team at Preservation Specialists help with their five-step retirement review. Call them at 803-9-RETIRE. That's 803-973-8473. Thanks for joining us today on Save Your Retirement with Pat Struby. I am Jen Rizak, happy to be here alongside Pat. He is the author of the book's Save Your Retirement and the Retirement Secret. And we're going to be talking right now about another book, actually. There are millions of articles online about investing, tax planning, budgeting, everything you can think of when it comes to preparing for retirement. And there are all these important facts to know. And when it comes to your financial future, knowledge is power. But, Pat, there is more to financial success than book smarts. There's there's actually a psychology of money. Oh, yeah. And I think that, you know, I definitely have, you know, that analytical brain. So when I was in college and learning about finance and investing and taxes and all those things, I was thinking, oh, I'm going to be a financial planner and then I'm going to analyze things with spreadsheets. And then Mm -hmm. that's what everyone will do. And (laughs) I quickly learned that human beings, I'm actually kind of a weirdo and most normal human beings don't think the way I do. And yeah, I mean, handling money is incredibly emotional and the psychology is incredible. And that goes with, you know, whether you use cash versus a credit card, um, you know, investing in the stock market, of course, the emotions of that, the roller coaster. I mean, we can go on and on and on. There's so many ways where the psychology of money affects us. And it's a really important topic. Right. It's all about behavior. And, you know, before we get into this um, audio from Morgan Housel that we have, Pat, I think pretty much any parent understands what can happen where you plan something out on paper and then you get your children involved <laughs> and then what actually happens and how this actually unfolds. I mean, we we see this all the time in our own households, but it plays out with adults <laughs> and their yes. money as well, right? <laughs> it does. And, you know, as being, you know, I've been a financial planner my whole adult life. So, you know, my kids... It's not easy on them because I'm trying to teach them mm. lessons about money all the time, you know. And I, I, who knows if any of that'll stick or not. But it's it's worth <laughs> worth a right. try at least because because we all need it. Is, yeah. that's the bottom line. Exactly. Well, and we can all just I think we've all been there where you plan out a thing and then a four year old shows up and they have their own <laughs> ideas for how they're gonna make all this work. And and so you know that happens with kids, but. Gosh, we we have all these emotions and all these behavioral things about our money, too. So Morgan Housel is a partner at Collaborative Fund. He is a former columnist at The Motley Fool and The Wall Street Journal, and he's the author of this book called The Psychology of Money. And he, he has a lot of really interesting things to say here, but he says there's more to financial success than just what you know about the world of money and the world of finance. But I think there's so much evidence that what matters in investing is not about what you know. It's not about how smart you are. It's not about where you went to school. It's just how you behave. It's about your relationship with greed and fear, your ability to take a long-term mindset, who you trust, how gullible you are, who you seek your information from. That's what actually matters. That's what moves the needle. And we tend to ignore that because it is not analytical. Right? I I think that is so interesting, especially when Mm. he talks about how gullible you are. What do you believe? I mean, my gosh, there's there's a lot that can factor into how we behave about our money. Yeah. And I think so much he says there is just right on the money. And I think the the example that I I think of that's fairly recent would be Bitcoin. Mm. And when you think of we all are affected in one way or another by either fear or greed or both, right? It depends on our personality. But I will say that I am generally not affected by the greed side of I have to get more return than everyone else or so-and-so told me they made this. I want to make one more percentage points or anything. I'm a very low key. My company's name is preservation specialist. We want to preserve your money and kind of, you know, the tortoise beats the hare kind of a thing. But even my insides, my gut reaction when, you know, someone tells me, Oh, I tripled my money in a week in Bitcoin. And I start thinking my, my immediate thought is that's crazy. You can't trust something like that. But then the more times you start to hear it, you start thinking, well, maybe, maybe I should kind of check that out. 
out, you know, that kind of a thing. And that's where that's where having a outside person to bounce ideas off of can be just unbelievably valuable because, you know, history has story after story after story of smart analytical people that lose it all Mm -hmm. because because they either fall to greed or to fear and so it's and that'll be till the end of time Um, so it's just important we can't fix these things but we can at least understand them and then also you know if you're working with a professional like us then you have someone to bounce those things off of and and to help (laughs) protect us from ourselves so how do you see people struggle with this or have you seen much of that retirees struggling with those reactions or that mental or that emotional side of their money. Yeah, I mean, we um, part of the structure of, of our entire business, our models, Jen, is based on trying to help protect people in this way. And I think of, you know, in 2000, 2001, when the tech bubble crashed, Thankfully, uh, you know, most of my clients were, were broke 20-somethings like me. So, so if they had any money that, that crashed, it was only you know, a couple right. thousand bucks. Um, 2008, 2009, uh, thankfully, we had a very conservative approach. Uh, so we didn't have a lot of losses. Uh, but when COVID hit, uh, the whole idea of the financial house, the whole concept of that, Jen, was really to help people understand if you do have money that's at risk, uh, we have plenty of money in other places, so you don't have to worry about it. You don't have to react. And I was so thrilled to say that we did not have clients calling panicking. Everyone understood either, hey, we've we've taken very little risk, or if we have taken a little more risk, there's a reason for that. And so that's the main thing that we wanted to make sure because we have to protect ourselves from ourselves. And also, if you are retiring or close to it, we all know you can't just count on having all your, the market going up every single year. It's not possible for that to happen. And so no one wants to be retired, have all your money in the market, and then some type of pandemic happens and you have to stop taking income. I mean, that, mm-hmm. that makes no mm-hmm. sense, right? We all know it makes right. no sense. So I think these are the kinds of things that we need to be thinking about. But it means you have to overcome your greed because you might have a balanced portfolio that makes 5 or 6 or 7% when the market's up 10 or 11 and your neighbor's bragging about what they made and you're thinking, well, I wish I made more than this jerk, you know? <laughs> Um, And so that's where the psychology comes in. And I think we have really built something here that has stood the test of time, um, you know, when there's been those kinds of drops. And the bottom line is we'd love to make, you know, great returns for our clients, but way more important is peace of mind. And so that's what we're we're always trying to build and that we think our clients have really appreciated. And, you know, if you think getting a review and looking at that and looking at your current situation, whether that's something that makes sense for you to make changes now or down the road, it's a great opportunity to take advantage of our five-step, no-cost, no-obligation retirement review. All you have to do to get started is call 803-9-RETIRE. This is a great opportunity to talk with one of our planners about where you stand right now and where you're heading in the future. Again, all you have to do to get started is call 803-9-RETIRE. Talking about the psychology of money today, both as a concept and as a book written by Morgan Housel. And he says, We almost have it backwards, he says, when it comes to how we teach finance. You know, what is most important gets most ignored in this field. And even when we are teaching basic financial skills to people, it's the math equations and how to balance a checkbook, which are are great skills. I'm I'm not demeaning those in the slightest. But there's so much evidence that all that matters, all that matters, that's the right word to use, is just how is your behavior with money. And I say that because you can be the smartest person in the world. You can have a PhD in finance from MIT. But if you lose your head during a market decline, if you panic during a market decline, none of your intelligence matters. Do you think, Pat, any truth to that? (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. You know, as a financial planner for a long time, and and I'm a pretty big reader, and also I listen to information, I thought I'd heard all of the tales of, oh, you wouldn't believe how someone lost it all with Mm -hmm. this or that, you know? And I I actually read one recently that um, Isaac Newton is certainly considered one of the smartest people. You know, you would think his intelligence was so sophisticated. Right. And late in life, actually, he fell to one of these bubbles that happened and he took all of his accumulated wealth which was substantial and he put it all in at the very peak of one of these bubbles and the whole thing crashed and what? he ended up he ended up broke yeah it's just one of those things where we wow. can't help ourselves you know he clearly he had a perfectly good plan and he fell to the greed aspect of it because probably everyone else was saying oh you're an idiot because you're missing out on all this you know what i <laughs> yeah. mean and so yeah it's just accurate and it's unfortunate but that's our nature do you think there are other areas where your behavior matters as much or more than your actual intelligence? 
<laughs> That's a great it's kind question. Kind of a big question. Yeah. It is. Yeah. No, I, I think, you know, certainly, you know, my expertise lies in the financial realm. Sure. And and I think that that is just the the one that, that is the most obvious time and time again is um, how any money that you save uh, and whatever you do with it, we all have an, atta- an emotional attachment mm-hmm. to that money. And I think of, you know, if someone has, uh, I was just meeting with a client recently and they had uh, one account that was specifically their growth account and it had grown and grown and grown and the market had come back a lot over the course of a week. And they immediately pointed to, well, this is the number it was at its, its highest value because that's what we all lock in, in our brain, right? Mm-hmm. So that's all my money. That should never go down, you know? <laughs> right. And so we all have these different, you know, triggers that we cling to. But the reality is, of course, if you've got a growth account in the market, it can't always go straight up. And so just understanding those things and reminding ourselves of those things are really important. Once again, that's the value of having an advisor uh, right alongside you and and helping you through that process. If you don't have someone right now, or if you're not sure that the person you have is the right one for the time of life you're in right now, call us at 803-9-RETIRE. You can meet with one of our planners at absolutely no cost and no obligation for our five-step retirement review. That number again is 803-9-RETIRE. It's as if the entire world of finance is putting the cart before the horse when it comes to how we learn about financial concepts and how we implement them in the real world. We talk a lot about financial knowledge and know-how, but today we're learning there's a psychology of money. Save Your Retirement continues in just a moment. Stay with us. You've heard Pat on radio. Now you can see him on television. Tune in Sunday mornings during the 7 o'clock news on WIS-TV, Columbia's NBC Channel 10. retirement is on your calendar for 2023 let the team at preservation specialists help with their five-step retirement review call them at 803-9-RETIRE that's 803-973-8473 thanks for joining us today on save your retirement with pat struby i am jen rezak happy to be here alongside pat he is the founder of preservation specialists and it's as if the entire world of finances is putting the cart before the horse when it comes to how we learn about financial concepts and how we implement them in the real world that's what we're talking about today we talk a lot about financial knowledge and financial know-how and all these facts we need to know about taxes and social security But today we're learning that there is a psychology of money. And we've been sharing some clips from Morgan Housel, who he is an author, a financial author. He wrote the book, The Psychology of Money. If you get caught up in uh, the excitement of a bubble, none of your intelligence, none of your academic credentials, none of the fact that you know the formulas, none of that matters if you're going to lose your cool when it matters most. That's why the behavior is not just an important part. It's really the base of the pyramid. And until you've checked that box of figuring out your own financial psychology, none of the analytical skills matter until then. So, Pat, we kind of talked about this a little bit in the previous segment as well, but I just think it's important that we understand we can know so much about the world of finance, but if we lose our cool (laughs) when it comes to (laughs) the markets or anything going haywire, none of that matters, right? That's exactly right, because you can undo so much hard work with a couple of bad decisions. Yes. You know, whether, whether you decide to, you know, if your planner tells you we need to diversify and you have a nice diversified plan, and then you want to chase the ones that have the best return or put everything into one thing and then, you know, you time it poorly. I mean, on and on and on. There's so many horror stories of things that can happen. One example that this reminds me of, Jen, is back in 2008, 2009, there was the housing crisis uh, the mortgage crisis and then you know the stock market crashed about in half. I mean, this was a really mm-hmm. horrendous you know financial scenario. And I remember clients just kind of wondering, like, is this the end of the economic world? And financial advisors saying, what's going on? And someone told me at that time, if you think about you know right before that happened, they were kind of letting anyone have as big of a mortgage as they wanted, right? Right. And then after all that happened, they had to completely change that, and then it became almost impossible to get a mortgage. Yeah. And I was talking to someone, or I was reading something. And they, they mentioned something very powerful, which was they said most things in economics are like the pendulum on a grandfather clock. And 
and it's usually it's swinging from one direction to the other. It's very rarely right in the middle where it should be. And so what happens is leading up to 2007, 2008, everything is going fine. So the banks are thinking, well, we'll just keep letting more and more people borrow. It's working. It's working. It's working. And it goes completely to an extreme until there's this panic. And then it whips back the other direction to the point where they won't let anyone borrow money for right. any reason at right. all. And my point to all of that is when you know Morgan's talking about you need to be able to think properly in a bubble. My point is that it's very rare that we're in just kind of a standard economy where everything is right where it should be. You know, we live in an imperfect world, and so things are going to be imperfect all the time. Uh, so is the stock market too high right now? Uh, we don't know. It certainly seems very high to me. Is inflation, you know, is it out of control? Uh, we don't know yet. I mean, mm-hmm. these are kinds of things that, you know, with any type of market, any type of economy, we just don't know. And so that's why uh, having a plan and, and understanding the fundamentals. And, and again, this is one of the things that many studies have shown the value of having a financial professional you're working with to kind of tighten the reins and help you stay on track on your plan can be so valuable. Well, I know, Pat, so many times we talk about the the stock market and that kind of thing, but I, I do want to talk about the housing market for just a second, because you mentioned that as you know what went on with the mortgage crisis and the housing bubble. We actually, that was when my husband and I were buying our first home. And mm. I had a job and my salary was going to be like $25,000 a year, okay? Great. He didn't have a job yet. <laughs> we qualified for like a half a million dollar mortgage. Oh, wow. And I remember looking at him like, what on earth? What would we do? <laughs> I mean, how would we ever pay this back? But it was such a crazy time. You're right. And then it you know, made the swing back the other way. But yeah. we were so excited to have a house. Like, we could have made a very bad decision there. We could have assumed that we would be better off in a shorter amount of time than what we actually were. We could have reacted in so many different ways. Thankfully, we stuck with something more in our price range. And then you look at what happened with the housing market, Pat, after the pandemic. And you have all of these people like panic selling, panic buying. My sister was trying to buy a home. She had to buy it like sight unseen, could only think about it for like an hour before she made an offer. It's easy to lose your cool (laughs) with some of these things when things are really frantic. I know that's talking about the housing market, but similar things happen with the stock market, too, where we just start reacting so fast. We do. And that's a great example of a situation where you and your husband could have made a life-altering decision if you decided to max out that mortgage. And who knows if you would have ended up, you know, having to declare bankruptcy or the worst case scenarios that could come of that. I mean, that could devastate you financially for a long time. So any of these situations, you know, we all have financial opportunities, good or bad, that happen to us throughout our lives. And how do we react to those? And the reality is, you know, the most robotic of us uh, of all, which I'm on that side, still have emotions <laughs> involved and still happens. And, and there's, you know, it brings to mind in our first meetings with someone getting to know them. One of the topics that comes up is, you know, where you're at financially. And sometimes it brings up, you know, maybe something they have that they regret or, you know, it was a bad investment or something like that. And the most common reaction to that, Jen, is just embarrassment. And I always say, please understand that no one would ever expect you to make all perfect financial decisions in your life. It's just a crazy level to put yourself on to expect that. I've been a financial professional my entire adult life and I've made bad financial decisions. You know, it's just, it's reality. And so we we can't put ourselves on this expectation of absolute perfection at all time. What we have to understand is we're humans and we need to try to do the best we can to understand the facts and to make the best educated decision we can. But, you know, what I love about going through, you know, some of Morgan Housel's information is it helps to just understand the psychology and how we think about things. And once again, I do think it just ties back in the value of working with a professional that can help you either identify those blind spots we might have or to actually protect you from yourself in a worst case scenario like a housing or a stock market crash. And so that's the reason we always encourage our listeners, if you're not working with a professional or or you if you are working with someone but it's not a close relationship, you're not getting good communication there, call us now at 803-9-RETIRE. It's the reason we offer our five-step retirement review at absolutely no cost and no obligation. It's simply a chance to talk with one of our retirement planners, see where you're at today, and see if there's ways that you can improve on your path into the future. Once again, all you have to do is call 803-9-RETIRE. 
Talking today with Pat Struby. He is with Preservation Specialists. And we have one last lesson here on our behavior and finances. Morgan Housel is the author of the book, The Psychology of Money. We've been talking a little bit about his book and hearing from him today. And I, I really enjoy this one, Pat. He says one of his first jobs was as a valet at a fancy hotel in LA. Mm. And he learned a lot, he said, from being around a lot of very wealthy people all of the time. I think what was really interesting to me was getting to know some of these people who were driving Ferraris and Rolls Royces. Some of them actually were not even that wealthy. They were like mediocre, successful people who spent half their income on a, on a car lease payment. And that to me was really astounding because that just blew apart all of the impressions my first impressions that I had of these people. So that was a really formative experience that taught me a lot about the psychology of money. That's interesting too, because you have those people, Pat, who have that appearance of wealth, and then you have those people who who don't have that appearance, but who potentially have a lot more than we realize. And that's another <laughs> another one of these areas with how we act about money and how important is it to show that we have it or not. Yeah, it's a great opposites that you just gave there. And I think that it does remind me, you know, I was I was raised in a household, you know, my, my grandparents were all farmers in southern Indiana. And my grandpa was in the army for a long time. Hmm. And it was all about, you know, just those traditional financial ideas of don't borrow what you can't afford pay cash whenever you can pay off your debts as fast as you can just those kind of basic things that that's certainly not something that people talk about very much anymore. Right. So my assumption was if someone has something, they can afford it. And that, that was something I learned in this field. And someone said something to me about somebody who I didn't know very well. And they said, how on earth can they afford all that? And my answer was, they may not be able to, you mm, know, mm-hmm. and that's the, that's the reality of that. And boy, you, you kind of swung it to the other direction there, Jen, the point of sometimes people have a lot and you have no idea. And there was actually a huge best-selling book many years ago called The Millionaire Next Door. And, you know, certainly some of our clients are millionaires, some are not, but um, a lot of them have that mentality, you know, where, mm-hmm. where sometimes people who are younger and they hear of someone being a millionaire and they think, how could anyone ever accumulate that? Well, Well, there's people with very boring, very simple jobs, you know, (laughs) teachers, nurses, plumbers, whatever. But if you just start saving when you're younger and the the power of compound interest works, you know, and of course, you're not spending it all. You're actually socking some away. And so it's it really is. uh, Those are valuable lessons uh, for all of us as far as how how to handle our money. Right. And and I think this kind of ties into another financial behavior that we sometimes see the fear of missing out. We have this fear of missing out. We see people posting something on Instagram and they have this wealth and I'm missing out on that. Or, or you talked earlier about some of the investments people talk about. What mm. happens if we are driven by that fear of missing out and we let that drive our decisions? This reminds me, Jen, of something our advisor team, you know, there's five of us here, something we talk about all the time as we meet with our clients and work with them and guide them. And that is, there's probably some perfect balance uh, in our lives of enjoying today as much as we can, but also preparing for the future. Mm -hmm. And there's some type of like absolute perfect like ratio that we can do that with. And no one's even close to that. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) Like we have, depending on how we were raised and what's happened in our lives, most of us uh, fall so far away from that, either to the extreme of, I can't miss out right now and I want to spend and do everything right now and who knows if I'll be around tomorrow versus the person that has so much angst and stress over spending anything and they want to accumulate and pile all of it up. And it's just that that psychology alone is absolutely fascinating. And we want to always try and help our clients bring them back towards the middle. So if they tend to spend way too much, we need to help save them from themselves and and make sure they have money in case they uh, live longer than they expect to. And if they're not enjoying it, we're just here to point out the facts that, hey, you could take more income every month and enjoy your money. I mean, and think about what it's for. And if you don't want to spend it, then do you have a church or a charity you want to give it to? It can do good, you know, and doesn't have to just sit and accumulate over time. And so those are the kinds of conversations that that are not just the, the nuts and bolts and analytical that are a little more real life and, and you know, a little bit about those, the fear of missing out and the emotions. And that can be incredibly valuable. And if you'd like to have that type of valuable conversation with one of our planners, call us now at 803-9-RETIRE. We always offer the listeners of our show a five-step retirement review at absolutely no cost and no obligation. Take advantage while our planners still have slots on their calendar by calling 803-9-RETIRE.
We have more coming up on Save Your Retirement, but now it's time for today's Medicare Minute with author and Medicare expert, Tim Hanbury. Have you ever heard of the income-related monthly adjustment amount, or IRMA, before? Well, don't feel bad. Most people haven't either. IRMA is a surcharge to the cost of Part B and Part D premiums for individuals based on their income from two years ago. If your income was above 87000 as a single person or 174000 if you're married, you'll receive an IRMA charge. I won't get into all the details, but no, IRMA can add about $70 to about $425 per month to your cost depending on your income. So if you have a higher income or sold a property, received a bonus or deferred compensation, you may run into this. Please know there is a process to reduce or eliminate these costs once you're on Medicare. If your income will be less in retirement than it was two years ago, then it makes sense to appeal this charge. Your financial planner can also show you ways to reduce your taxable income prior to retirement, which helps reduce or eliminate these charges before they happen. Please take some time to understand your Medicare options. Medicare, properly designed, would be the best insurance you ever had. Visit Tim's website, MedicareBlueprint.com, to download a free copy of his book. Or if you would like to talk with Tim, call 803-9-RETIRE to schedule a consultation. To schedule a visit for your own customized five-step retirement review, call right now, 803-973-8473. That's 803-9-RETIRE. Thanks for joining us today on Save Your Retirement with Pat Struby. I am Jen Rizak, happy to be here alongside Pat. He is the founder of Preservation Specialists, and he is the author of the books, Save Your Retirement and The Retirement Secret. And Pat, really, in this world that we live in, the only thing that stays the same is change. We see innovation Mm. in technology and health and even in the financial world. And I know we've talked before on this show about innovation in the retirement planning world. But Pat, just talking about finances in general, we want to talk about the top five financial innovations. This is kind of an interesting topic here in this part of the show today. Yeah. And, you know, Jen, I, I will say I'm a self-professed um, financial planning dork. And we know. I, I know you know that. <laughs> yes. But I, you know, I do very well in your quizzes. So it has a pretty big payoff. Uh, but no, I, it's one of those things where we live in an information age and there's yeah. just so much great information out there. And one of the things that, uh, as you know, some of the books I've been reading the last couple of years, for whatever reason, I've veered down this path of the history of money and, you know, hmm. history of capitalism and, you know, how we've gotten to where we are today and how things have changed over the last few few hundred to few thousand years. And this is a really, I think this topic is really cool to, to kind of dig into you know, what some of these biggest changes that have come about. Yeah. And, and, you know, as we get into this, I have to admit, some of these are things that you don't even think about because you, you kind of take it for granted. It, it's just like you don't even, obviously, um, we'll start with hard currency. Obviously, this is something that's been around for quite a long time. And I think you could argue this is an improvement on the bartering system, which is what I don't even know what year we're talking about that, that we developed hard currency versus bartering. I Yeah. So hard currency is the first of our top five financial innovations. And I do not have the year when this came about. I, I know it's from some of the reading I've been doing, Jen, that it's longer than probably year I would have thought. Yes. And we're talking thousands of years ago. And uh, if you think of it, neither of us are spring chickens, let's be honest. But uh, but all of these things go way back past our lifetimes. So all of them, it's just hard to imagine not having them, right? But imagine yeah. if there was literally no money. So what were we doing? Well, we had to say, hey, I've got, I've got a chicken and you've got, I don't know, you've got <laughs> some boots and let's swap them out or whatever. Some you know, that's, sandals, kind, right? that's kind of complicated. That's kind of difficult, right? So this idea of actually having a currency that everyone agrees to the value of it, um, it's a very simple but probably a very life-changing yeah. Um, innovation. Yeah, and we're, we're talking like tens of thousands of years. Just a, a quick like Google search while you were talking, it goes back so far that some sort of currency was developed, which again, so like this says the Mesopotamian shekel, I guess, was the oh, first the known sure. form of currency and mm. it emerged 5,000 years ago. Okay. Um, yeah. So this is really interesting. Like this is thousands of years that we've had some form of currency, which again, you just don't really think about when you're making purchases from, right. from day to day. Continuing on on currency, 
fiat currency. This is a government-issued currency that's not backed by a physical commodity like gold. So taking what we had with currency and then making some changes, I guess, again, to that. <laughs> yeah. Surprise. Yeah. So the second of the top five financial innovations, fiat currency, it's a government is issuing yeah. it, but it's not linked to anything. Right. So, you know, that is, there are some very, very significant pros and cons to this. You know, I think uh, many people listening have, have lived through the time when the U.S. dollar was backed by gold. Mm -hmm. um, there were a lot of benefits to that. The one huge disadvantage is there's only so much gold, right? right. So, so you have a limitation to the ability to print money, to use debt uh, for growth. And so, of course, the challenge of that or the other side of the coin pun intended. Thank you very much. Uh, the other side of the coin is that gives the government the power to print lots of money and yeah. create lots of debt. And pretty much every single fiat currency that's ever existed in modern society, other than the United States, has failed because of that. And right. of course, you know, uh, we had David Walker uh, come in uh, last year, the, the previous, essentially the head CPA of yep. the federal government under a couple of different presidents. And uh, also we had David McKnight in a few years ago, and both of them talked about the huge warning of the massive debt that we have as a country and how are we going to solve that. And so that's, right. that's a big concern that we have. Uh, but at the same time, we have to admit it's been 50 years since our country's money has been backed by anything. And we've seen tremendous growth during that time. So yeah. uh, just an interesting thing to consider. And I think that's one we're, we're maybe a little bit more aware of when we talk about the government printing money. Uh, certainly, that is probably an issue that we're all a little bit more comfortable or, or familiar with than the whole idea of you know, the bartering system as, as a way of life, yeah. which none of yeah. us really <laughs> lived, obviously. All right. Next financial innovation of our top five financial innovations Interest-bearing loans. Let's talk a little bit about this one as something that propels us forward. Yeah, the third of the top five financial innovations, interest-bearing loans. And I believe in my reading, and I, I hope uh, my pastor won't be angry if I'm wrong about this, uh -oh. but I think there's some biblical reasons why this was outlawed for a long time uh -huh. uh, mm -hmm. as far as you know, taking advantage of others and things like that. But um, the interest-bearing loan um, is one of those things where – it can be of tremendous benefit because both sides benefit. You know, if you have, uh, how many of us could buy a home um, if we had to pay cash for it? Yeah, right. right. I mean, that's a, probably a pretty obvious example of that. And so this is another great example of something that can be used for so much benefit and at the same time can harm us, right? Mm -hmm. uh, if we get into huge Good credit point. card debt, you know, right out of high school or college or something like that, it, it can affect your life for for many, many decades. But think of, the, of course, buying a home. Think of uh, borrowing to start a business uh, that could end up being very successful. Uh, we use, uh, when we talk about the different investments we use, Jen, you know, if you think of kind of the, the middle of the financial house, the walls, a lot of those are dividend paying investments. A lot of those are invested in things like real estate. And a lot of times they'll borrow uh, as a part of that loan because it helps them increase the rate of return they can generate for mm -hmm. our clients. Um, so there's a lot of reasons that um, loans can be beneficial. And of course, the, the other side of that is it needs to be used responsibly. Here's another one that I really want to get your take on, pooled risk as one of the top five financial innovations. And I'm, I'm guessing we're just talking about insurance here, which again, game changer in terms of our, I guess, society, I would think. Yeah, yeah. The next financial innovation, pooled risk, which is basically insurance. And uh, one of my designations is the CLU or Chartered Life Underwriter. Mm -hmm. and it's all about life insurance and annuities. And so I remember studying this. And it really is such a amazing thing to think about. I mean, if you think of before insurance existed, if your house burned down, you had to build a new house Start right from scratch. from scratch. Yeah. And you had nothing if you... Um, you know, so you think of all the different things, the fact that you can ensure the life of a young, uh, high-income person to protect their family. You know, in retirement planning, certainly uh, the use of annuities is a really big deal because the insurance companies can pool that risk and say, hey, we'll guarantee if you live to 100, we'll keep paying you income. And that can give you the peace of mind to know that income is going to keep coming in. Mm -hmm. uh, and they know they can do that because not every person with the annuity is going to live to 100. Uh, one of the things that I've learned a lot of people don't know, Jen, is one of the cool things about pooled risk is, um, I don't know how far, far back this goes, but some of the biggest insurance companies in our country 
uh, have a significant amount of life insurance and they have a significant amount of annuities. And the reason they do that is that actually offsets each other. Oh, right. So if people okay. pass away early, that can have a huge cost to them in life insurance, but actually has less risk to them in annuities and vice hmm. versa. So it's kind of cool how these companies come up with these ideas. And of course, the main thing we all want to know is that the insurance company is still going to be in existence when we need them. Right. right. So, right. so it's, so it's good that they've figured these things out, but yeah, this is something most of us, you know, we just, we don't want to spend a lot of money on insurance and it's irritating and annoying when you get the bill, <laughs> but my goodness, uh, for those one in a thousand times when we need it, praise the Lord that we have it. That's exactly right. When you need it, that's when it really becomes apparent when you have that <laughs> when you have that need and then you're grateful for it. The last one on our list, um, Pat, of top five financial innovations is the modern corporation. Let's talk about this one. Yeah, corporation, the last of our five financial innovations, um, probably not one most of us would think of, but this was something I was reading about recently and it goes back to um, the... Um, Oh, goodness. No, <laughs> the Dutch trading company. Oh, okay. And so, uh-huh. so that was one of the very first when you do when you study financial manias, that was the it was the Dutch tulips or something. Yeah, like the, that. the tulip bust, the tulip bust. Right. Yeah. So it went, it went up like a thousand times in a month and then it came crashing down. Uh-huh. Um, so again, like all of these, there's benefits to it, but there's downsides. Uh, but the corporation allows a pooling of risk. And it also is allows it to be different from the owner. So a person can set up a company and they can try to build that company, take the risk to build the company, which most companies, the goal is to drive innovation, which creates things that we all benefit from, right? We, how many of us have an iPhone or a smartphone? And, you know, if there was no such thing as a corporation, maybe that wouldn't exist because no one, you know, otherwise their entire life savings would be at risk for trying to set that up. But by being able to protect yourself from that, uh, by using a corporation, uh, hopefully is of benefit to all of us. And, you know, this idea of being able to join in to, to something like you can with a corporation, you think about things like like mutual funds and, and some of our modern ways we can invest, Pat. These are all ways that give people opportunities that they wouldn't have independently, I don't think. Let's just bring this back around to people who are preparing for retirement. Some of these top five financial innovations are part of retirement plans when you look at the pooled risk and that type of thing. Talk about how we can stay on top of some of these innovations and use them to benefit us going into retirement. Yeah, Jen, I think when I think of the, the biggest financial innovations and how it affects retirement, I, I think you're exactly right. I think the pool of risk, I think insurance is a big one. Let's say someone comes in and sees us and they're 60 and they want to retire at 63 or 64. And when we're looking at their goals and, and aspirations, uh, and we're also looking at where they're at today, one of the things that we have to address is what are the biggest risks? For most of us, uh, we're wondering, do I have enough to retire and how do I know my money's going to last as long as I do? And maybe the third thing is, will my loved ones be okay if something happens to me? Mm-hmm. Well, a lot of those things, if you have enough assets, then you may not need any type of insurance. But if you don't have enough assets, insurance is a way to shortcut that. Because if there was no such thing as insurance, then maybe you'd have to work another five years. Mm. So so that's an important thing. Certainly, um, not everyone needs an annuity in retirement. Uh, but that's, you know, an annuity can have a lifetime income guarantee to it. And, you know, a lot of people don't have a lot of certainty in their retirement income in retirement. So I think that um, those are those are the kinds of things that can be real game changers as you are getting into retirement that can help you solve those problems, which most importantly then helps you accomplish your goals and be able to enjoy your retirement. And, you know, that's a great example of the types of things that we talk about in the first meeting with one of our planners, helping you figure out, let's try and make sure we pinpoint your goals, uh, which for most people is when, when can I retire and how much can I spend in retirement? And of course, we want to talk about your biggest concerns and make sure that we can address those. And the way we do that is um, when someone becomes a client of ours, we build them a, a comprehensive custom-built uh, retirement plan. And the first step to that is what we call a five-step retirement review. And we offer that to listeners of our show at absolutely no cost and no obligation. To get started, you just call us at 803-9-RETIRE. Once again, to get started, just call us now at 803-9-RETIRE. This is Save Your Retirement with Pat Struby. Be sure to tune in again next time for more insights from Pat, and we'll talk to you then. Securities offered through Arcadios Capital, member FINRA and SIPC. Advisory services offered through Arcadios Wealth. Preservation specialists and Arcadios are not affiliated through any ownership. 